Hello, season two, episode eight, we're here. Yes, we're going to be doing something a little bit different this time. We're going to go back to what we did in season one, because we've had a load of suggestions, which have been fun, but I sort of wanted a last chance to inflict another film on Dan. And so you did. And what did you inflict upon me? Ten things I hate about you. Don't take it personally. I didn't. Thank (laughs) you. Stars Heath Ledger. We've seen another one of his films in season one. But he's much nicer in this. You can see more of his actual face skin. Yeah, I mean, he does dissect a frog and stuff. He's not all nice. But, um... For some reason, that's not clear. Hang on a minute. He's cute? In this, he's quite cute. But I really have a dilemma when I watch a film like this when it's like 20-year-olds... And 18-year-olds, if I fancy them, I feel a bit wrong about that. But if I've watched this film when I was their age or younger, it's really a bit of a head wreck. Interesting. I have no idea what to say to that. Well, I think just don't worry, I'm not going to go and snog a real-life 18-year-old. Okay, I'll take that off my worry list. (laughs) It wasn't very high up, so... um, What's top on your worry list, Dan? Come on, talk to me top of my worry list probably getting fired oh really what have you been doing no no no. it's just a it's just a permanent worry okay uh joseph gordon levitt though he is more attractive Mm -hmm. and i really fancied him back in the day he was probably my number one man to fancy before i met you of course smooth um, but no, I still find him really hot. I don't know, something about that look. So, so him in the film from 99? No, just hot. mean him in general, but I mean, I guess... He's aged well, I think. Yeah. But I think that, like, men with dark hair... Oh, look! <laughs> It's almost like you were struggling for a way to get out of that and just looked at me. No, he is hot though, isn't he? That's not the way out that I was meaning. But yes, he he's, I think he's aged well. I don't think he was as hot back then. I think... I, I mean, I haven't seen him recently. Um, 18 isn't someone's peak. Probably not, yeah. No, I'd say like 25. Right. So he, in the film, his character called Cameron Cameron James and it's a play on James Cameron so he fancies a girl called Bianca oh yeah he's like totally infatuated love at first sight but she is a posh girl from a bit she's a bit like posh she's not super posh well very big house and stuff well to do Middle class. Her dad's a doctor. Yeah, a gynaecologist, I think, or some kind some of Some kind of obstetrician. baby doctor. Because he's just worried about them getting pregnant all the time. The whole time. And he makes them wear this, like, pregnancy belly before they go out. Like a big, like, that's like the weight of being pregnant and they have to wander around in it. That's fun. I Yeah, I don't think if I had daughters that would be what I would do, but... Uh, I don't have daughters, so I don't have to actually think what I would do. No, you don't have to worry about teen pregnancy when you've only got sons. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you do have to <laughs> worry about it a bit because they could be causing teen pregnancies. Yeah, that was sort of the joke I was making that men should be equally responsible. Oh, no, I'm not down for that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so Cameron fancies Bianca, mm. but she does not fancy him. Not to start with, certainly. No. Um, so he tries to woo her by pretending to be a French teacher. You ever done that? You have done that. Wait, what? When we first How got together, mm-hmm. the first time that I oh, met your I family, we went out for a Chinese and your sister was like celebrating at A-level results or something. And it was the first time I met your family and you started talking in French with your mum and I said to your sisters like, oh, that's cool. Like, do you do that? A lot, because your mum is French. She is. And your sisters were like, no, he's just showing off. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a massive, unrepentant show-off. You know me. I love when you speak French. Thanks. But that was funny. Yeah, I hate showing off. I'm really not good at it, and I hate people who do it as well. Um, but that's not the point. Uh, How did you marry a show-off? It was an accident. When you say you hate people who show off... Yeah, I don't go to many of your gigs, though, so (laughs) get by. Um, In real life, I learned that Joseph Gordon-Levitt speaks very good French, apparently. I read that, too. He studied it. He studied, like, French and poetry or something. Wow. I mean, could he get any more dreamy? (laughs) I know, it's like, like he's like, I want to go to uni and I want to pull. What (laughs) subject should I take if I want to pull? French and poetry, lovely. Mm. Um, and the dad, the obstetrician, the gynaecologist, the, the baby man, yep, the worried father who has two rules. Uh, he's been watching Fight Club because his two rules are: number one, number one, no dating until you graduate, and number two, no dating until you graduate. Um, so he has these two rules, and he comes up with a, a new rule. Bianca, the one that all the boys want, can date when her sister, Kat, the one that all the boys don't want, also dates. Which is such a weird rule. Like, there was no logic behind that He is not a good date. No, because that would just make Kat feel weird about things and... Not a good dad. It's I a mean, weirdo. it's intimated that the mum left him and 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 ran off and isn't I coming she back. She's dead. She's dead. Was she? I thought. Yeah. She, I thought there was a line about, "Oh, she's not coming back." Yeah, because she's dead. I mean, they really need to iron that out. I didn't. I didn't know that. I didn't feel that that was specified. I'm pretty sure it was. <laughs> dead people always ruining my anecdotes. Um. So, there's a a slightly overly complicated plot bit in which uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt enlists the help of a friend to get Kat a date, basically, so that he can date Bianca. But it goes through a few, you know, shell companies and subsidiaries and all this kind of stuff, and they end up paying a man, Heath Ledger, in with his own Australian accent... To um to go out with Cat. That's it. That's the film. 
and teenage hilarity ensues. <laughs> Did you not enjoy it then? I think it was fine. Okay. I'll give it a fine out of ten. Okay. Uh, once I was about ten, I was about 50 years old in my head. So the whole experience of high school... Is unrelatable to you. Especially American high school. Yeah, I always want to know, like, what is American high school really like? Because you see all these films, but that's not how it is in the UK, and it's probably not how it is there either, but I don't know what it is like there. It feels like American high school is you go to school, you sort of disrespect all your teachers, you have a three-hour lunch with all your mates, you play on at least one school team, and you drive a new fancy sports car. Oh, yeah, when you're 17, you somehow get to drive a sports car. Which is the only bit I was interested in. Um, and then it was a Z28 Camaro, and I was like, mm, no, nah, I'm good, thanks. Um, just like, uh, so I have no conception of that kind of life. And I wrote down something about it's a time full of all those pressures of like, it feels life and death. Every decision, these people are so important to you. All the cliques really matter and really mean something. And viewing it at the remove of like being older and tireder and being not in the US just made me feel like actually I don't I no longer relate to a lot of that yeah and you know like I never went to a party and got so drunk that I writhed on a table what you heard it here first (laughs) folks I've yet to get that drunk you were a special kind of teenager I think you're not saying special in the <laughs> nice way that my mummy says about me. <laughs> You're saying uh, it in the way they put in my school reports. I feel like in another 20 years, you'll suit your character. Not a compliment. <laughs> Whereas, I mean, this is going to sound weird together, but I feel like I suited being like an 11-year-old. And now I'm just like an 11-year-old trapped in the the body of a 35 year old and you're saying like I'm a 55 year old <laughs> yeah, trapped no, in the body of a 35 year old yeah, I know, that's, why this, that's why that's weird together yeah it is <laughs> but really I just mean I'm fun what <laughs> that's not better I've been fun when right I, oh, I <laughs> don't, don't bug me with specifics we were fun together once remember that time before we had kids all right. What time? And I was like, let's cycle to Q8. And you were like, okay, sure. I'll quit my job. Let me cycle to Q8. That was a laugh. You still made that sound like I was not fun and you were fun. Well, it was my idea. It wasn't your idea to cycle to Q8. So anyway. Yeah. I think a bit of this film, when I was watching back, I was like, it's probably not really that great a film, but it's just the nostalgia because I hadn't seen it since I was a teenager and I remember watching it with friends and I think that's what doesn't connect with me it's like I don't have nostalgia for that kind of thing 
There's some good quotes in it, though. Oh, yeah, I've got some quotes. Go on, you, you go. Can I read you one of my favourite yeah. quotes? Um, Gabrielle Union is in it. Um, oh, who's yeah. Who's an actress. She was apparently 25, I think, playing an 18-year-old. I think she was even more than that. She, apparently, she was almost 10 years older than... Maybe she was 27. She was. Yeah, I think she was. And she is the best friend of Bianca for a bit. And they are trying to go out to this party. And she says to Bianca's dad, oh, it's just a party. And he goes, and hell is just a sauna. Which is, <laughs> that, that's a great line. I really, I thought, that's I, I like that a lot. There are some good lines. You've got some over there. Here's a few. I know you can be overwhelmed and underwhelmed, but can you ever just be whelmed? Deep. I thought the writing was good. Sorry, have you got more I've quotes got some to more prove quotes. it? Yeah. Um, my insurance does not cover PMS. Nice. It should. Uh, that was when she bashed into someone's car. Because she was in the mood. Um, here's a quote I don't agree with. All right. You don't buy black lingerie unless you want someone to see it. I'd have to say most of my undercrackers are predominantly black. You know, there's some little like a little bit of edging or a logo or something. But I think black is just the most practical colour for underwear. Yeah. I just think, like, white underwear goes grey in the wash quite quickly. And I also find, you don't do the white wash as often as the coloured wash. So if I had white pants, they just wouldn't get washed for months. they just sit in the white washing bag that never goes on. I just, yeah, I just think black's the best colour. And if I was to buy black underwear, it's just for practical reasons. <laughs> Were there any scenes you enjoyed? There's a few good scenes. There's a scene where she, at the end, she, Cat, the cat's mother, reads out a poem. Oh, yeah. Which is uh, meant to be inspired by one of Shakespeare's sonnets. So the whole film is inspired by The Taming of the Shrew, which I read up about and don't particularly like the sound of too much. And there's all these little references. So they go to Padua High School. He's Patrick Verona. Um, one, they th- at one point they call Cat the Shrew. And so Catriona, or is it Catriona or Caterina? Yeah. And Bianca are the two sisters in The Taming of the Shrew. Uh, she's called Tempestuous. All these little references. And then she rewrites a sonnet and performs it at the end. And I thought that was the best bit of performance. They did that in one take. Great. That was her like genuine emotion because she was coming to the end of a film and all that. And she was sad to leave. That was real tears. Wow. Well, I mean, well done. It's a a good moment. It, It was... Um, I felt like it worked in the film and it made a point and yeah, it worked. The other one yeah. I think is probably the 
the one you might expect, which is where Heath Ledger sings to her. Oh, yeah. I love you, baby. And if it's quite <laughs> all right, I love you, baby. Keep me warm at night. Not the words. <laughs> what is the words? Don't need to know them. Do, do, do. So they've got a marching band who he pays off. Do, do. Um, and he's dancing on the kind of uh, grandstand, and because he's stolen the microphone to the PA, he's fortunate that it's wireless and he can walk around with it. If it was on a wire, that'd really mm. cut his fun short. Um, and he all dances around and stuff. I read that um, they gave him leeway to sort of improvise a bit. And they, somebody was saying that's why Julia Stiles was laughing so much in her responses. Because she didn't really know what he was going to do. And he's goofing around and dancing around and slaps a security guard on the backside and runs off and stuff. Uh, what is the most um, big romantic thing you've done for me? Oh, um, I wrote you a few songs. Um, I drove from Southport to Liverpool dressed as Father Christmas and then proposed. Nice. Uh, sailed across the channel to try and prove myself to your father. Oh yeah, he puked up like ten times. Yeah, a number of times. True love. True vomit. Vomited until I was empty and then vomited some more. Um, there's a moment where we were passing a, through a tidal race and your dad's on the back of the boat, this sailing boat, like, whoa, this is great. And I'm like, I'm definitely going to die. D- today <laughs> is the day I die. <laughs> Maybe from just vomiting myself inside out. Um, what is the most... What's the same question to you. What was the most... Romantic, big romantic thing you've done for me. Oh, I don't know. Um, But the thing I was going to say for you is... I think when you hired a car from Southport to come and pick me up from the airport in Heathrow... And we'd been together like six weeks or something... And then I'd been away for longer than six weeks. Yeah, in the first 12 weeks of our relationship, you were away for eight weeks... And I'd seen you for four weeks previous to that. So then I drove down to Heathrow from Liverpool or Southport. Southport. But what have you done? I don't know. What have I done? Mm, I've got your tickets to see a comedian when I didn't like comedy. Wait, I did a nice thing for Valentine's Day. This Valentine's Day. You did, after 10 years of not doing anything for Valentine's Day. Uh-huh. I mean, we've spoken about this recently on the podcast. Have we? Yes, because we recorded on Valentine's oh, yeah. Day. Um, yes, you, you tricked me, you baited me into that. And I I was like, oh, we don't do anything for Valentine's Day. And then all of a sudden, we did something for Valentine's Day, and I was not prepared. Yeah, only because I was bored, because of lockdown. I told you, don't expect anything next year. So it's almost like it wasn't a big romantic gesture. (laughs) It was boredom.
enjoyed the bit where they went paintballing and they were sort of like in some hay and just having a snog and a paintball. Yeah, I mean, two things put me off. One, they'd forgotten their paintball guns, so they were just throwing paint bombs at each other. And two, they snogged like through the paint. So it was all over their faces and stuff. Does that not stuff not taste? I don't know, but funny? two things I love, paint and snogging. That's true. Those are, <laughs> or I'd say, pretty close to top two <laughs> of your things that you love. And it was reminiscent of one of my first snogs in Laser Quest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good times. Maybe the reason they didn't have guns and they were just throwing them is because what I found from Laser Quest is it was quite hard to snog whilst wearing a big gun. Yeah, I can I can see that a gun would have got in the way of a snog. Yeah. In both circumstances. There were quite a few snogs in this in this film. I didn't count them. No. There must That's have been at least five. Usually your department. I quite enjoyed um the character of Miss Perky in the few bits she's the in the teacher, film. Yeah. The guidance counsellor, played by Alison Janney, who I know from the West Wing where she's great. Um she's this crazy not crazy, she's this doesn't care anymore guidance counsellor who is writing erotic fiction on the side. Yeah. And that's and funny. like so much so that she's asking or she's she's asks her assistant for synonyms to um erect or something, you know, like what's another word for she comes in and then then cat walks in and says turgid or tumescent or something you know one of these words one thing i thought that was funny uh, as i was watching this um is miss perky is essentially the role your sister plays in her school i don't know if your sister writes erotic fiction on the side though i'll ask her okay wouldn't surprise me really <laughs> Oh no, there's another teacher. You see the sports teacher because she flashes the teacher, doesn't she? Oh yeah, I like that bit. <laughs> she, um, He says near the end, it's not every day you find a girl who will flash someone to get you out of detention. That's nice. I'd say in my experience that's true. It's not every day that that happens. No. None of my days has that happened. <laughs> so, um, But that's probably for the best. There's a party scene where they invite lots of people to this party. Like, some geeks are having a party. <laughs> the, were they, like, golfers or something like that? I think they were the actual rich people. Okay. Some kind of specific form of geek. And they find a party invite, but they change it. To be like, everyone's invited, free beer. And then from the top of the staircase, they throw down these, like, invites. Which I think, well, if it was nowadays, you could save some paper and just tweet that or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And then everyone turns up to this party. I feel like this this is a classic teen movie scene. I'm sure there's a scene like this in Clueless and all of the films. But I've never been to a real-life party like this where the parents are out of town, a little party becomes a massive party and the police turn up. Like, have you ever been to a party like that? Sorry, did you ask me if I've just been to a teenage party? 
Did you ever go to any kind of party? I mean, <laughs> I mean yeah, but not not ones like that. I did. No, I mean, do they do they exist? So, like, I went to teenage house parties, but they're always like the parents were around upstairs, like, and no one extra really wanted to come. Like, I don't know. It was just for your friends, and that was it. There was a bit of music, a bit of drinking. I don't know. (laughs) I think it's either movie logic. Or something American. That's what my mm. mind tells me. Maybe when you have a bigger house and a pool. They always have a pool. Bloody Americans in their pools. The fact that it's in so many American films of of that kind of coming of age teen movie kind of stuff does make me think it probably happens a bit. The party, it's interesting because she gets really drunk and then Heath Ledger's Patrick sort of like looks after her and makes sure she's okay because he's starting to fall for her. The problem with the whole thing is, like, he falls for her in the end and she falls for him and it's all nice and lovely, but at the start he's the kind of guy who is okay to get paid to go out with someone, which is kind of like not a cool thing to do. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Would this be a good time to say that your parents paid me to marry you? Well, my parents are not very rich, so they won't have offered you much (laughs) money. So you're the kind of person who would marry a person (laughs) like me, no fun, old in the head, (laughs) for like £20. So I think that reflects reflects worse on you than it does on me. (laughs) And I'm such a pushover, I just went with it. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's what our whole relationship is based on. Uh, how would you feel if you found out that my par- that your parents paid me? Confused. <laughs> I don't know if I would write uh, a poem that made me cry about it, which is what she does, apparently. You wouldn't cry about it. It'd be fine. No, I'd be confused. <laughs> I'd I'd want some time to think about it. Okay. Um. But yeah, the the problem is, the kind of person who is willing to be paid to date someone, it it's quite a change. Then, like that, skipped over quite quickly because it turns out that he's quite a nice guy and he looks after her and he actually cares for her and stuff. But it's like. It's it's built on shaky ground. That's the whole premise of the film, isn't it? But I think the point is, at first, he is just doing it for the money, but then when he gets to know her, then he likes her. And he uses that money and spends it on her. The two occasions we see him spend money, apart from at the bar, are to bribe the marching band people so he can sing a song telling her, I love yeah. you, baby. And when he buys a Fender Stratocaster, at the end, a guitar, fancy guitar for her, and she's like, "That's nice," and she appreciates it. But I don't think you can buy my love with a guitar. Yeah, but I mean, he can because he just did. He does, but he doesn't. He shouldn't think that. Okay. But he does. But then, what's going to happen at the end? Because she's the whole film. She's going to go to this uni that's far away. So yeah. it's not going to last after that. So uh, he should have kept that guitar for himself. 
and I mean, once you come out of the cinema, this is a problem about a lot of those kind of teen dramas, is that it doesn't last. Yeah, like when we discussed Titanic, we decided that they would not last as a couple long term. Is Titanic a teen drama? She was 17, so yes. She's a classic high school drama. (laughs) Boy meets girl, girl meets boy, boat gets sunk by an iceberg, girl lets boy drown. Your classic drama. (laughs) Spoilers. Oh, sorry. Spoilers for 18 episodes ago (laughs) and 22 years ago. 22 years ago. Wasn't Titanic 99? 1912. Oh. Century old spoilers, guys. (laughs) Get with the programme. Shall we talk about Kat a little bit? Yeah, I I love her. Cat the character or Julia Stiles the actress? Both. I like I like the character. It's nice that it's not just a girly character like her sister is. Yeah. Like she's got a bit more to her. Um I think she's more attractive than Bianca, personally. Right. Um Yeah, no, I like the actress. I really like her in Save the Last Dance and I should have made you watch that film, but I felt like I couldn't because I already made you watch Billy Elliot and I thought two dance films would be too much for you. I read and you probably read this as well because we checked the same sources that The internet. I actually did all my research on CFAX. <laughs> and I did all of mine through teletext. <laughs> um, that her dancing on the table got her the role in Save the Last Dance. I did not read that. Well, I did. What, they just went, oh, that drunken table dance was brilliant. You really can dance. Here's a starring role in a dance film. Well, I mean, you've made it sound more preposterous with that (laughs) tone of voice, but essentially that's what I read. How crazy. Well, it was the 90s in Hollywood, so pretty crazy. I must try and do some more drunken table dancing and see if I can... Star in a film. I think the key is you need to already be starring in a film when you're doing your drunken table dancing. But what got her into this film? Was it real life drunken table dancing? I've never danced on a table. I feel like tables are not... that. Not every table can be danced on. If you've been framed to stalk me anything, it's tables are to be treated with caution. Mm, I actually climbed on the table today to stick that bit of wall on the ceiling to test out where our lamps are going to go. Uh, and um, I did not feel that safe. I definitely wouldn't have danced. Well, right. this is fascinating. Well, please tell me more about. <laughs> please write in on Instagram. Uh, would you dance on your own table? Hey, if you've ever danced on a table, yeah, contact yeah. us. I would actually like to hear about it. Yeah. Apart from if you died, and uh, well, they're unlikely to contact us, are they? I would be freaked out if a dead person <laughs> contacted me from the grave. <laughs> I danced Let on a table a and landed warning. on my own head. <laughs> now I'm dead. <laughs> this is my I only speak in rhyme. <laughs> um, do you know that she real life went out with Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Julia Stiles? Yeah. 
for a bit. I think later on. Do you know that she real life went out with Heath Ledger? Yeah. Whilst I think they dated from this film Where? up until the year 2000 at some point. Oh, a long time. Oh, no, wait. This film was in 1999. For like a year, I think. Yeah. They dated. Um. Oh. That's cute. <laughs> I read a bit about the director. Yep. Gil Junger. That's how you pronounce <laughs> it now. Gil Junger. Gil Junger. Uh, this is the best thing he Gil directed, Jungle. and the first thing he directed. Ah, oh, that's sad for him. Peaked early. <laughs> yep. What else um, did he direct? Some bar. A load of things I've never heard of, and no one's ever heard of. Um, so when he was doing like the casting and stuff like that, uh, they did a very quick audition for Heath Ledger because straight away they were like, he's the guy. Um, and he, Heath Ledger thought that he had ruined it up because it, because the audition was so fast. He was like, oh, they don't like me, Mm. but not that. They really liked him and were like, yeah, he's yeah. got it. This is what he said to the women in the room after he just auditioned Heath Ledger. Concerned face. Ladies, I've never wanted to sleep with a man, but if I had to sleep with a man, that would be the man. Cast him immediately. I mean, not as bad as I was imagining, but bad in a different avenue. A woman and a man interviewed me for my current role, and if the if I'd left the room <laughs> and the man had turned to the woman <laughs> and said, never wanted to sleep with a man before, but if I was going to, it'd be him. I wouldn't want that job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fortunately, as I understand it, neither of them said that, and they're both very nice people. You don't who, know what they said. Yeah, as I understand it. But when when you lead into a story like, guess what this Hollywood director said to a room full of women, I'm like, oh, it's definitely inappropriate, and it'll be about them. It's nice that this was definitely inappropriate, but about another guy. Nice is the wrong word. Sad is the right word. Do you know they actually tried to do a sort of sequel, not a sequel, but they tried to do a film called Ten Things I Hate About Life. No. Much more recently. But it never got made in the end. Like, the producer stepped down and then the main woman casting it got pregnant and then the producer tried to sue her and stuff. Oh, dear. I mean, at first I was going to be all lighthearted and be like, oh, is this like Red Nose Day, actually? The awful <laughs> sequel to Love, actually. But then, like, somebody's trying to sue someone for getting pregnant. Mm. I don't know if they were... Don't quote me on any of that. I mean, it's. Recorded. I don't think she got pregnant and then she tried to get sued. I think that was different. Nobody was tries to get sued. It was different issues. Probably some people. But think. um, I think they shot a bit of it and then didn't shoot any more of it. The writers went on to write Legally Blonde after this. Oh, that's cool. Which I think it was quite good writing. It was the same year as She's All That, which was a similar kind of high school Oh yeah, film. I know all about that film. The teen movie that I've actually seen is 
not another team movie. Which so is you've only seen a spoof of all the team movies, but you've never seen a real team movie. Pretty much. And that's, that's enough like for me. I've seen Austin Powers, which <laughs> references James Bond, I think. Yeah, like But I've never seen Bonds. a James Bond, or I've seen Austin Powers before I'd seen a James Bond. So I don't really get those references. So in Not Another Teen Movie, they have this kind of um, ugly woman made beautiful, but I think all they do is like take glasses off and let her hair down out of a ponytail. <laughs> That's literally it. Because it's a spoof, everybody recognises that ridiculous trope. And it's just like, glasses off, ponytail down. Oh my, she's amazing. Like It's really sad for glasses wearers. Cause imagine how I feel. You wear glasses. Take, take your glasses off. Get ready, guys. Cue the music. Whoa! This doesn't work. <laughs> in, in an audio, audio. medium. <laughs> if only you had sort of hair, hair that you could shake. Or hair at all. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I've, uh, I think that sets unrealistic expectations for glasses wearers. Shall we do? A credit shout out. Yes, we should. Same as I say every week. It's time for the credit shout out. Shout out! Shout out! That's what this podcast is all about. We big up a person with a silly job or name. Like shoe coordinator. This is bound to lead to their future fame. There was uh, just a few things. There were just a few things I wanted to point out. Drugged Out Loser. Oh, that's nice. Played by Nick Vukalic. I wonder if they went on to play anything better than that. Sober Loser. (laughs) Uh, We had a whole whole list of losers, actually. So at the start, they're trying to enlist the help with some losers, including the Drugged Out Loser and the Wimpy Loser, played by Benjamin Lawrence. Um, I had to look up what this is, and it's very interesting to me. They had two Foley walkers, and a Foley walker is the person who is responsible for putting in the sound of footsteps accurately after after it's been filmed and recorded. They have to make all the sound footsteps oh, sync up. Interesting. Why aren't the footsteps just recorded with all the rest of the audio, like natural footsteps? Well, because they're more interested in the words that are being spoken. That's such an obscure job. I know, because I looked and there were two Foley walkers, and I was like, like this is the person who is responsible for the walking sound effects, including possibly recording their own walking. So when you hear the sound of footsteps, it's not necessarily that person, it's someone else's footsteps could be yeah so i've seen things like that on a on a radio show where they're not actually walking around or not actually opening doors they're triggering a sound effect but i had not thought about that at all in the film it was just a, just a little interesting aside to me can i tell you a slightly <laughs> related joke yes you can why don't you if you bang two horses' hooves together, it sounds like coconuts. It's not mine to the hooves. It's a good joke. 
I do enjoy that joke. Boom. What did you think of the soundtrack? Pure 90s. Woohoo. You love the 1999. 90s. I thought when we when we put it on, I thought it was early 2000s, but I didn't realize it was actually just the 90s. So early 2000s is actually pre 2000s. <laughs> Everyone had strappy tops all the time. And there's quite a lot of bellies on show. Yeah, there was those vests for men as well. Do men the men's vest out? I don't really notice the men's fashion. Well, I it mean, it doesn't change so much. I don't think. I'm I'm terrible at fashion of any gender, so I d- I can't help you. Okay. I like that song at the end. I want you to want me. I need you to need me. And there was like a band playing on a roof, which never happened. So I read up about that a little bit, uh, an interview with the singer from the band, whose name I forget. And she said they were on the roof and the director told them, you have to get this. It costs $50,000 every time we do this. Whoa. Like the helicopter and a whole rig. No pressure. And she was on the roof going for it. And then, you know, they didn't didn't really have it very well communicated, it sounds like. So the helicopter started diving at them, or she felt like. And she was like, oh, must get this right, must get this right. Uh, it's cost $50,000. Oh. That's so much pressure. Like, not only are you on the top of a roof with a helicopter coming at you, but it's a one-shot thing. Whoa. I'm pretty sure... Why not just get a 50-quid drone and film it that way? <laughs> they haven't been invented in 99. Oh. I'm pretty sure the music we hear mm. is not the music from the top of the roof. Like, you know, it'll be a CD recording or whatever. Yeah. But uh, it's a pretty tense, high-pressured environment in which to perform. I was I was impressed. Yeah. Cool to be kind. Yeah. Baby, gotta be cruel to be kind. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> what What would you say about I'm that song? I'm not a singer. Or um, a remember of lyrics. No, you do fine. Uh, I would say you don't have to be cruel to be kind. Why not be kind? Because that's a nice thing to do. Lovely. Why don't you rewrite that song and sing it back to me? Let's be kind to be cruel in <laughs> the right measure. Isn't there a proverb about? Let your kindness be a burning coal in your enemy's hand or something like that. Are you saying that Proverbs inspired that song? No, I'm saying when I've flipped it, it does sound like, you know, you can, like, killing them with kindness. Yeah, there is a thing about being so kind that it pisses them off. Yeah, I, I tried to phrase that in a more it's kind of message like... message translation. <laughs> uh, in a, in yeah, my mum used to say that to me. If I was like getting bullied or something, be really nice. They'll be really angry. I'm like, mm, I don't think, I don't think they got. I don't think the bullies understood that. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure that's the situation for that. Um, yeah. Sorry, sorry. No. Do you were bullied? Oh, I'm over it now. I think. Um, but talk about bullying in high school. What were the groups like in your school? Because. So they went, at the beginning of the film, they were like, 
here's this group, here's this group. But the groups were like, that was weird. Like, one of the groups was cowboys, like, as if that was just, like, a cross-section of people at school. We had, like, skaters. We didn't have any cowboys. Like, what did you have in your school? Yeah, so they had cowboys, white rasters, the AV Greeks, the Wall Street guys. That's who were having the fancy party, the Wall Street kids. Yeah, that wasn't a group in my school either. There was, like, some goths, some, like, skaters, some... There was, like, the more academic... I feel like it was all right as a girl to be sort of pretty and popular and kind of in the good sets. But not so much as a guy. Then there was like the sporty ones. Yeah, no cowboys. What about your school? Yeah, we were also short on cowboys. I went to a lot of schools. Oh and yeah. I think that um, that helped me to feel like an outsider, um, for better or worse. So I I didn't slide into a lot of those groups, you know. Mm. Um, and I didn't stick around in lots of my schools to see those groups develop and stuff so we had the sporty kids and the academic kids and the bullies and the bullied and um you know i just tried to find my kids and what was your group then did you ever have a group not really uh probably my favorite one of my favorite ones was michael howarth we oh, played squares with yeah, we played a lot yeah, of squares, and we. <laughs> that was your crew, the squares crew. Well, it was him and the two Allens and Carl, and we were all sort of like misfits together. I guess it's nice when you find your little band of misfits. Mm. And did people um, call you squares? Because that's like a insult as well, isn't it? You know, no, I've <laughs> got a very um, positive filter on my memories. I think. Mm. I think when I went to school in Jersey, that was a lot easier than um, Greater Manchester. Yeah, I can see that. And the kids are all just a bit nicer, to be honest. Rich kids are nicer. Yeah, I didn't go to like a big fancy rich school, but... You had to be rich and fancy to live in Jersey. Mm, uh, To an extent. In secondary school, I couldn't be friends with the people that I was friends with in primary school because this girl stole my best friend. So then, like, year seven and eight, I was friends with, like, three other girls, and that was a nice little group. But then we had a big falling out. Or maybe that was year nine. Yeah, in year nine we had a big falling out. Never got back together again. It's a bit sad. But then I made friends with this quite cool mixed group which I feel like were really nice people and I wish I could have stayed friends with them longer so year 10 and 11 it was a bigger group of girls and boys and some of them were kind of skatery skate park people Um, and that was a lot of fun but they lived kind of all different places they were quite spread out and I was in this annoying village that I couldn't get to anywhere by public transport very easily. Yeah. And then they all went to a different sixth form to me. Then I had to make new friends. I think the thing like if you look at this film and then think about our lives that we've just talked about 
people make new friends, people move and change cliques and groups and social groups. It feels like the end of the world at some points, but it's really not. And, you know, maybe I'm saying that because I've had to do that when I've moved house lots of times and moved things and whatever, but you sort of just get over it and it, and it, looking. I'm really sad about some groups that I've left or that have dispersed over time. Okay. I think, like, well, it's inevitable and it's not like that group still exists without me. I think my best yeah. ever friends were like my uni friends from second and third year. Not not the people on my course, the group that you became part of. Yeah. That was such a close, amazing group of friends. And that's just like the best time in our lives where we had no responsibility and all of the fun. Like we had no money, but that really didn't matter at all. There was never like a proper this is the end there was the end of uni which was sad and was like a very sudden like going from like partying and like having so much fun and graduating to like lodging with a family signing on at the job center being unemployed and half the people leaving the city to go back home or whatever that was that was really sad yeah right ready for bed i very much am i think that's pretty much it from me next time you're going to be inflicting a film on me i am what's it going to be we're going to watch apocalypto oh no yeah i'm actually pretty excited to watch it again okay fair enough yeah so get ready for some ancient mayan it's coming oh lots of love to you all do uh, get in touch with us in real life. You'll be able to do that again soon. Yeah. If you're our real life friends, come to our festival we have in the summer. Oh. Woohoo! Jones Fest. If you know our address, you're invited. Anyway, good night. Good night, one and all. <laughs>